I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. Today I'm going to speak to you about the heart of the Father, or getting to know who your Heavenly Father is. Because if we're going to have an effective prayer life, we have to know and understand who our Father God is. The Bible says that he that comes to God must believe that he is. So who is your Heavenly Father? That's what we're going to get into today. But before we do, I want to encourage you to visit our website. Our website is www.theriverministriesusa.org. And we have a message uh, that we can make available to you called the Father's Love Letter. And basically, it's an intimate message from God to you. It was produced by the Father's Love Letter, uh, uh, Father Heart Communications. Um, And it has, for the first part of the CD, it's called the Father's Love Letter, meaning it's countless scriptures that they took and they put it into the form of a letter. And it's a beautiful letter, a letter from God to your heart. And it'll build your faith in understanding who God is. And therefore, it will help you to have a more successful prayer life. And then number two, the tract uh, has all the scripture readings from where they got the love letter from. And then number three, they have a responsive prayer. So you'll actually go into a prayer to the Father right from the Word of God. And it's all here in this CD. And it's called The Father's Love Letter, An Intimate Message from God to You. So I want to encourage you to get this, and it'll go along with our teaching today. So we're talking today about the Father God. Now we're going to take our text from Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And it says here in this scripture, And it came to pass... As he, speaking of Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, I believe the disciples watched Jesus, and they saw that he was a man of prayer. He was an example of a man who would pray to his Father God. They watched how he would at times disappear, and sometimes he would disappear all night, and he would spend time in the presence of God. The Bible says he withdrew into a wilderness and he prayed. And I believe the disciples caught, uh, caught the revelation of the fact that Jesus' prayer life was what caused him to be successful. And so they came to him one day and they said, You know what, Lord? We've been watching you and we see that you're a man of prayer. And we want you to teach us how to pray. Now, the Bible says here, he goes on to teach them. And in verse two, because anytime you ask God a question, he's always going to give you an answer. And Jesus went on to say unto them, and he said to them, and when you pray, this is what you need to do. Follow my example. I'm not going to lead you astray. I'm going to lead you and I'm going to guide you into all truth. I'm going to show you how to have a successful prayer life. 
You've asked me this question, now I have the answer for you, and I want you to listen to what I have to say. So he says to his disciples, and when you pray, say, Our Father. Now, right from the get-go, Jesus introduces the disciples to a different concept of God. Throughout all the Old Testament, Jesus was known on what I would call a first-name basis. He was known as Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha. These were all the old covenant names that referred to God's character and God's nature. And I would like to put it like this. It's almost like it's like talking to God on a first name basis. And so that's how they always perceived and knew and recognized God as this God on a first name basis. But we find in the scriptures that the revelation of the Father is hidden or veiled in these names. But Jesus came to reveal a different side of God. He came to reveal the Father God, the heart of God, the heart of a father. And so when he said to his disciples, this is how you should pray, he said, pray this way, our Father. You don't have to go to God on a first name basis. No, you can have a relationship with a God who is your father. And so that's what he did. Now, father defined, Webster says, is a male parent, the founder of a race, family, or line. Any man who exercises parental care over another for others. Now, remember, He's saying to the disciples, our father. It goes on to say from Webster's, there is a person who has originated or established something. Webster's also says the third person of the Trinity. So Jesus came to the earth and he revealed to humanity the heart of the father. Now I want you to, I want to show you a very interesting scripture that I found It's from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 17. The Bible says in verse 17, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and peace came through Jesus Christ. So the law was given through Moses. So they understood God as a God who was a a taskmaster, so to speak, a God who had a lot of laws and a lot of ordinances. But Jesus, like we said, came to reveal something different about God. He came to reveal the Father. It says here in verse 18, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So Jesus came to the earth and when he came to the earth, he revealed the heart of the Father. Now I'm going to break this down, verse 18, We've said this before, if you've listened to some of our other teachings, that the Word of God was written in Hebrew and in Greek. In the New Testament, the Word of God was written in Greek. And so, therefore, we'll see one word that the translators put into our English translation, and we don't always get the full meaning of that word because it means so much more than that one word in our English language. And we're going to do that with two words, the words seen and the words declared out of this scripture. So the Bible says 
No one has seen God at any time. That word seen is the Greek word H-O-R-E-O or H-O-R-A-O. And that word means to see with eyes and also see with mind, to comprehend fully or to understand or experience. And so the scripture says, no man has really fully understood and comprehended or experienced God at any time. But let's go on to see what happened. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. That word declared is E-X-O-G-E-O-M-A. And that word means revealed or expounded. I love this because the Bible says people didn't understand God. They didn't understand his nature. They didn't understand his character. They saw that the law was given by Moses. He had a lot of laws, a lot of ordinances. And basically the law was given truthfully as an umbrella of protection for God's people. And as long as they stayed under that umbrella of protection, they were safe. So the law was not a bad thing. It was a good thing. But the scripture says this law was given, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Jesus came to the earth and he revealed a complete and total different side of God that the earth had never seen before. And that's what I find so exciting about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can come to know and understand God for ourselves and have an intimate relationship with him. You can know God. You can know your father uh, in an intimate way. And therefore, you will see that that intimate knowledge of him will cast out fears and you'll be able to approach God with confidence and have a successful prayer life. And that's what it's all about. It's about relationship with the father and having a successful uh, prayer life and intimacy with him. Okay, so Jesus was and is the will of God in action, wouldn't you say? I would. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, and he went about doing good. Now remember, we're revealing the heart of the Father as we progress in this teaching. It says in that scripture, he went about doing good. He didn't go about doing bad. He didn't go about causing hurricanes. He didn't go about bringing plagues and sicknesses on people. He went about doing good. And the scripture says, healing all those that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So Jesus demonstrates the heart of the father through healing people, through delivering people and through setting people free by the power of his teaching. Jesus talked of his father at a very early age. He was very young and he was in the synagogue and he got away from his parents and he ended up in the synagogue and he was teaching. I believe Jesus knew right from the beginning that he had the call from his father to redeem humanity. And he's in the, in the synagogue and, and right from the beginning in Luke chapter 2, the Bible says when his mother finally found him, the Bible says, He said, no, listen, he goes, she's like, where did you go? He says, well, I have to be about my father's business. So right from an early age, he was talking about his heavenly father. We're going to go into some statistics for a moment 
Now just bear with me because they're not very good statistics. But I promise you it'll all come out in the end on a very positive note. Ed Cole said, the absentee father is the curse of our day. Another uh, statistic that I read, fatherless children are at dramatically greater risk of suicide. I mean, we do live in a society where the fathers are not home. We live in a society where over 50% of marriages end in divorce. And I believe that it has affected our youth. I believe it has affected our children. And I believe sometimes it affects how we can relate to God as father. Because when we think of God as a father, we think, well, he was just like my earthly father, or he wasn't home, or he was abusive, or, or he was mean to me, or he didn't listen to me when I talked. And that's not the case with your father, God. Another statistic said, children with fathers at home tend to do better in school, are less prone to depression, and are more successful in relationships. Children from one-parent families achieve less and get into trouble more than children from two-parent families. Now stay with me, because it's, it's, this can be fixed. 95% of all boys involved in gangs had no father in the home. So we can see that fathers are very important to the family structure. Here's another statistic. Compared to peers living with both biological parents, sons and daughters of divorced or separated parents exhibited significantly more conduct pro problems. Daughters of divorced or separated mothers evidenced significantly higher rates of internalizing problems, and as girls, we know we can do that, such as anxiety or depression. Another statistic, 80% of adolescents in psychiatric hospitals come from broken homes. Lastly, 10 years after the breakup of a marriage, more than two-thirds of kids report not having seen their father for a year. For 10 years, that is. I don't know about you, but that breaks my heart. But I'm here to tell you today that I've got good news for you. I'm here to tell you today that the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. And it says in the book of Psalms, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. So, that, so there's an answer. There's a remedy to all these statistics. You don't have to be one of those that falls to the wayside and has all these things happen in your life. You can turn to God and he can be your father. The Bible also says in another place, and I want to give you the reference so you know it, Psalms 27, verse 10. The Bible says in another place that, that God is a father to the fatherless. So if you have had these things happen in your life, and I am sure that many who are listening to this have, I have good news for you. God is a father to the fatherless. When my father and mother forsake me, the Bible says, the Lord will take me up. I want to read you out of the message Bible. It says from Psalms 27 verse 10, my father and mother walked out on me and left me. Well, 
But the scripture goes on to say, but God took me in. You can't see God with your natural eyes, but I'm going to tell you something. He is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. You can turn to him and you can look to him. And my friend, he can heal your broken heart. The heavenly father can be an unseen guest at every meal in your house. And by faith, he is. You can't see him, but he is right there with you. He's there for the widows. He's there for the orphans. He is there to comfort those that mourn. He said in his word, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. These statistics may be true in the world that you live in, but rest assured, the Bible says, you are not of this world. As a matter of fact, there's another scripture that, that said, it doesn't say, but I'm thinking right now, you're not of this world. Your true home is really heaven. Your true father is God. Those of you that have been born again, your true father is really God the Father. And, and the Bible says when Jesus was talking to a group of religious people in that day, he said to them, they weren't born again. And it sounds a little harsh, but he said, he just came out and said it. He said, he said you're, you're of your father, the devil. So your nature and your father is not the heavenly father. Your nature and your father is really the devil. But what I love about the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is the power of God unto salvation. And when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, he comes into your heart and you change fathers. You become a son and a daughter of Almighty God, and he's right there with you, as the scripture says, to take you up. He's right there with you to care for you. He's right there with you to provide for you. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Now, let's go on. Let me explain. Right from the beginning, God wanted a family. And we see that exhibited when he created Adam and Eve. You see, God, the scripture says, is love. What is the nature of love? The nature of love is to procreate. The nature of love is to, 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 to give and to share. And that was, that's the nature of God. God is love. And right from the beginning, the nature of God is revealed when he created Adam and Eve. He wanted fellowship. He wanted a family. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, it says, For this cause I bow my knees, the Apostle Paul is saying a prayer here, to the whole family in heaven and earth, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So it says in the scripture that we are family. All of us who have Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior are the members of a huge family in heaven and in earth. And God is our Father. Now, when you think about the word Father, and we're going to talk about this as we move into this teaching, what does the word Father mean to you? What does the word father mean to you? When you think of a father, what flashes in your mind? What do you think about? 
When I say the word father to you, how do you feel? What are your emotions doing right now? For some, it may not be a positive thing. If you had a father that abused you and beat you or raped you, your image of the father is going to be one of fear. So I want you to think about that. When you think about father, what flashes in your mind? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do today, and this is why I love this teaching. We can't approach prayer. We can't talk about how to pray unless you understand who your father is. Otherwise, you're going to shy away from him. You're going to pull away from him. You're not going to understand his nature, and it'll affect your prayer life. Who is your father? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says that what we have to do, those of us who've had bad experiences with our earthly fathers, we have to renew our minds because what happens is our experience with our earthly father, if we're not careful, carries over into our image of God as father. So what we're going to do through this teaching is we are going to renew our minds. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, be not conformed to this world or think about things the way the world does, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? It means that when you get born again and you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we said you come into the family of God and God is your father. Your spirit's born again. You're alive unto God. That relationship is restored. But your mind, your thoughts, your will, and your intellect has to be renewed or has to be changed. In other words, you have to change how you're thinking. You have to change how you're thinking about the Father God. So what we're going to do is we're going to paint a new image of God as Father. You know, we have a lot of people today, they, they call them image makers. And they're image makers and they... they they work for celebrities and these image makers tell these celebrities and I think even for presidents and kings but we won't get into that but they're image makers and they they work for celebrities and and they help people you know uh, project an image whether it's through clothing or through hairstyle or through just whatever they want to put up on the air just to create an image well and then when you get to know them you find out they're really not that image that they are portrayed to be on the internet or on TV. And that generally happens when you get up close and personal with them. You find out who they really are. Well, today I'm going to point a paint an accurate image of God as your father. And I'm going to paint it accurately. And we're going to see it through the scriptures. And as you approach him, and as you believe who he is, you're going to find that this image that I will paint for you through the word of God is going to be an accurate image. And you will find that he is not a liar. You will find that the image that's painted through the scriptures is true. Because God is true to his character. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 32, and this is for you, my friend, and I know this is going to happen to you because I know that when I speak, 
My speech and my teaching and my ministry is not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but the Bible calls it, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. I know that when I speak to you and even through these teachings, that my words are going forth out of my mouth and they're piercing your heart and they are changing you and they are transforming you. And I know, as the scripture says in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. What I would encourage you to do is receive these words. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that, that the word of God is able to save my soul. Your soul is your intellect, your mind, your will, and your emotions. The Bible says in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd and he restores your soul. What's going to happen as we paint a real image of God as Father, your soul is going to be restored. What, what would take years of counseling, the Word of God can go into your soul, and as it's rightly divided, or that means taught right, it can go into your soul, and it can heal your soul, and, and, and bring solutions some areas that you may be struggling with. I think that there are some of you that are struggling with addictions, but when you hear about God as your father, he can come in and he can renew or restore your soul and you won't have a problem in that area anymore. Well, you may say, well, Margie, you know, how can that be? You know, you're just one of those gospel preachers. You know, you preach a lot of stuff and no, 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 that's not true. The word of God is forever settled. You've got to believe the word of God. The Bible also says in another place, I believe it's Proverbs 4, it says that the Word of God is medicine. The Word of God and these teachings can go into your heart and it can heal your soul. It can be medicine for your soul. So if you're having to take antidepressants or anti-anxiety because you've got issues in your soul because you had a bad childhood, God will take you up. God will heal your soul. God will be a father to you if you didn't have a father. He will be your calm in any storm that you have. So you will know the truth, and I'm going to say that with all confidence. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But truth is found in the scriptures. Truth is found in the word of God. So let's begin. Let's talk about the father. Let's talk about what he's about. The very first thing that the father did in the beginning was your father provided salvation. Right from the get-go, when Adam and Eve fell and Adam and Eve sinned, you know, they were separated from God. They were separated from their creator. And right from the beginning, God said, I am going to provide clothing to you for you. I'm going to provide a way of escape for you. I'm going to provide salvation for you. So the very first thing that he provided was salvation. It's called the plan of redemption. And we're not going to get into the, the whole thing right now and all the scriptures. But the plan of redemption is seen right from the first few chapters of the book of Genesis. God said, I'm going to provide a lamb. And that lamb ultimately became Jesus. And he provided through that lamb salvation. So the first thing God provided for us is salvation. 
And sending Jesus and his death on the cross was actually the ultimate expression of the Father's love for you. The ultimate expression. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, so loved the world, so loved you. Jesus would have come if it was just for you. Let's just think about that for a minute. He actually knows your name. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. God so loved you that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. So right from the beginning, God provided salvation. He so loved you, he sent his son from heaven because the Bible says he was daily his delight. He came to the earth and he wanted to provide salvation for you. And salvation is a free gift. You don't have to do anything to earn it. The Bible says by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift from God. So you don't have to do anything to earn salvation. What you have to do is just receive Jesus into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior, and you will be saved. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And when you say it out of your mouth, your confession is made unto salvation. So right from the beginning, God provided salvation. Right from the beginning, his love was demonstrated and he provided salvation. And then what happens? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21, that when a person is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things pass away and everything becomes new. Now, the Bible says you are no longer strangers and aliens from God, but through Jesus Christ, you are restored and now you're a citizen of heaven. You're saved. Okay. What else did Jesus provide or, or what else did the father uh, give us? Let's, let's talk about his provision. Your father provided for us. He wants to provide for us. Your father's provision is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. When Adam and Eve fell, the Bible says that they got afraid. They hid themselves from the presence of God. They were scared. They knew they did something wrong. Basically, what they did was they disobeyed God. God told them, don't eat from this tree. This is not what I want you to do. I need you to obey me. They went ahead. They disobeyed God. And, and the Bible says when they sinned, they suddenly knew that they were naked. And immediately they started hiding themselves from the presence of God. And God comes down, and, and I could see this happening. He comes down into the garden, and he's looking for Adam and Eve, his creation. He's looking for his treasures, his two treasures that he created in his own image and in his own likeness. And he comes down, and he said, Adam, where are you? Something happened. Something was separated. And Adam and Eve's response to God, the father, was, Well, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And then God says to him, Well, who told you you were naked? Like, what happened? And then he knew that, that Adam and Eve had disobeyed him, 
entered into sin and it caused spiritual deaths. It caused separation. But right from the beginning, God didn't, didn't just leave them out there. The Bible says in Genesis 3, And unto Adam and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins, and he clothed them. So right from the beginning, God said, you know what? I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. So yes, God provided salvation, but he also provides provision for us. It is your father's will and desire to provide for you. The Bible says, if you being natural parents know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father Give good gifts to those that ask him. Think about that. If natural parents want their kids to have good clothes and the latest styles and not be without, the Bible says, how much more does your heavenly father want to provide for you? Well, you know, you know, people say, well, you know, God just, you know, it's a humble thing to be poor. Well, you know what? I have good news for you. Remember, the Bible's good news. The gospel's good news. The scripture says he delights in the prosperity of, of his servants. God's will for you, Third John says, Beloved above all, I wish that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So yes, I want your soul to prosper. I want your mind to be renewed. But I also want you to prosper in every area of your life. God's will for us is that we prosper. His will for us is that we have provision. I want to read you one of my many favorite scriptures. It's out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. We're talking about the Father's provision. I'm going to read you a couple of sentences from here, and then I'm going to read you from an easy translation called the message translation. Remember I told you earlier that it's important for you to get a Bible. It's important for you to get a Bible that you can understand. The message translation is a little more what I would call watered down, but it's a good translation for you to read that's simple enough for you to understand. But before I read the message translation of this scripture, I want to read to you out of the King, New King James Version. Just a couple of the sentences out of there. The Bible says that our Heavenly Father feeds and He clothes. And it goes on to say, your Father knows you have need of these. And He wants to provide for you. Don't resist this teaching. Don't resist this part of the teaching. I want my kids to have good things. I want my kids to have clothes. I want my kids to be fed that's the heart of any father, natural, normal father and mother. Is that That's what they would want. Yeah, but my father, you know, he didn't pay my mother the, the alimony and the child support, and we went without. Where was God in all that? I don't know where God was in all that. But I will say you can begin right here and now to know that your father will provide for you. I know you may be bitter because of that, and that's caused maybe a bitterness. But today, I want you to try at least to think differently and understand that God's will for you is, is, is to have provision in your life and, and to make, try to make a little adjustment where you begin to turn your heart toward him and say, you know what? My father may have forsaken me and my father may not have provided alimony and child support for, for me, 
but I have a new father now in heaven, and it's his will that he provide for me. And, and faith, the Bible says, is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. So as you begin to ask God for some of these provisions, the Bible says, believe that you receive it and, and believe it by faith. And as you continue to believe, the Bible says you will have them. You won't see it manifested right away. And it may take a few days, a couple of weeks or a few months. But ultimately, when you pray, God hears you when you pray. Your prayers don't fall on deaf ears. The Bible says my eyes will be open and my ears attentive under the prayers that my children pray. So God hears you when you pray. So when you pray, ask for the things that you desire. Believe that God is your provider. And I believe that God will provide the things that you have need of. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the things of the kingdom. It's his good pleasure. We said it before, we'll say it again. I don't know where it is, but it's coming up in my heart that God delights in the prosperity of his servants. Now, I know there's people that get off of the whole prosperity thing, and then it's the whole talk about that. But my friend, most of us are not like that. Most of us need our needs met. Most of us need our college bills paid. Most of us just need the, to, to pay for our wedding. Most of us just need to, 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 when we have that baby, have enough provision. It's your father's good pleasure to provide for you. Let me read to you out of the, the message, like I said before. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. And what I want to do is, I want to put these scriptures up on our screen because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What does that mean? It means the more you hear and the more you see God's word, the more faith you're going to have in your heart. You see, when you got saved, you had that seed of faith, but your faith can grow. So the more that you hear the word of God about the father and the more you see the word of God with your eyes, the more faith is going to arise in your heart and you're going to have the petitions you desire of him. Faith is a spiritual force and that force of faith will cause your prayers to be answered. So we're going to put these teachings up on the screen because I want you to see it with your own eyes what the Bible says. It says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 through 34, that is what I tell you. Now, Jesus is talking. And remember, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus is speaking truth. And as you study the Bible, you'll find out that he only said the things his father told him to say. He got his messages from the heart of his own father. So this is what Jesus said, words in red. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear isn't life more than the food and your body more than clothing and remember Jesus is talking and he's revealing the heart of the father he said look at the birds they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns 
for your heavenly father feeds them. It's not God's fault that your father didn't pay alimony. It's not God's fault that, that, that your parents were divorced and you didn't get your provision. God can change all that. You can enter into a new season in your life. He said, your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Meaning, you're more valuable to God the Father than birds. He said, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Now, this is what the Father goes on to say. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work, at make, or, they don't work or make their clothing. He's talking about the fields. He said, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. You see, I think about that a lot. I think about how when I look at a field, because I like to think about God a lot, and I like to think about him and talk to him. You don't have to be in a room to pray, and you don't have to be like in a church to pray. You can talk to God anytime, and I think about God a lot. And I think about what he said in this scripture, and I look at flowers, and I, I say to God, you know what? You created all those beautiful flowers, and you created all those beautiful things. You did that for me and for all my, my, my family and friends. And it's beautiful. And God says, it's beautiful, and I created it, and I created it for you. And it goes on to say, if God cares so wonder wonderfully for wildflowers, that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow. Will he not care for you? Hello? Will he not care for you? God created all of it. And he's saying, will he not care for you? Now then he says, why do you have so little faith? Now we've all been there. We all need at times to make some adjustments. We need to have more faith that what God said is true. And so he goes on to say, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. What I want you to do, he says, is seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you anything, everything that you need. So, verse 34, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. What am I saying? I'm saying your father provided salvation, and your father provides provision. It is God's will that you have your needs met. I often, another thing I like to do is I, I like to look at nature and think about God, and we have a sunroom in our house, and there's this really cool tree that we have, and every spring this tree produces these little itty-bitty little berries, these little red itty-bitty little berries. And every spring, I look forward to the birds coming to that tree and eating all those little berries. And I think about God's provision. I think about how those birds don't have to toil they don't have to figure out where they're going to get their next meal from. I think about God's provision. I think about how he provided that tree with all that fruit and how he feeds those birds. I want you to begin to think like that. I want you to begin to think provision. I want you to begin to think 
that your Father in heaven knows what things you have need of before you ever even ask Him. I want you to begin to ask Him for some of the needs that you have in your life, and He will do it. I'm going to pray for you before we close. Heavenly Father, I thank you that the entrance of your word has brought light to those that I have been speaking to. And Father, those that have needed emotional healing, I thank you that your spirit is upon me and you have anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. And Father, I believe that you can go right to where they are in their home, wherever they are. And I believe that your Holy Spirit can manifest and come upon them right where they are. I believe the Holy Spirit is falling on you right now. Let him heal you. Let him restore your heart. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project Podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.